0: This is Anthony Pascal.
1: And this is Laurie Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. Today, we have two episodes to review, so we're going to be talking about Picard, episode 202, Penance, and Discovery, episode 412, The 10C. But first, we're going to start with the news because that Strange New Worlds teaser are finally dropped, which we've been waiting for.
0: I wasn't surprised that it arrived after they wrapped things up on the picard season two promotion i think that was yeah. the thing everyone was waiting for it's very much a teaser trailer it's not a trailer trailer although not as teasy as the first picard season two trailer which had <laughs> which was just like a shot of picard's you know office or something right because there, there was a different trailer shown during investment day which i saw and this is not that at all it's a totally different trailer
1: Right. There were ship shots in the other one, right? Like bridge scenes? Not scenes, but shots? Yeah, yeah.
0: It was more about the show. This is more about the premise of the show, almost, or the setup right. of the show. It was short. It was fun. It was nice. It kind of sets up the old cliche of, you know, there's a guy retired, living off the grid, you know, in Montana or something. We don't know where this is. It doesn't right. seem like Mojave because there's too much snow for mojave
1: no i i kept thinking we could have filmed it like where anson mount lives in connecticut like he has this big land and he builds yeah. all these things and so i was
0: like oh they could have just
1: gone to his house <laughs> he's got a big
0: old beard and you know what yeah. it looked, i was the first time i saw that i'm like are they trying to set up this this almost like not a real thing but people know him from hell on wheels he's this grizzled cowboy out on the plains and it's it's almost like they send a shuttle to hell on wheels to pick him up and send it <laughs> off into space, and I and I, I we actually put out a tweet saying, "Well, if you're going to do that, then you've got to get Colmenian, right?" You know, yeah. I think the shuttle looked great, by the way. It just shows the aesthetic. I
1: was going to say, I especially loved the seeing the shuttle fly in when he's on the ho- like. It's just a gorgeous shot and a great effect, and it just sets a fantastic tone.
0: You know, they, they throw in a few alien worlds, which I think is good to say that we're going to different worlds. That's kind yes. of, you know, I think some of this and there's been some speculation online. There's at least one shot that could be a flashback to the alien world from before the cage, the kind of thing that got him into trouble and why he had all that ennui during the cage. Right. Here's the big question about the trailer is when is this set? Like, when does he turn into Grizzled Pike? Is it after season two of Discovery? Right. We we know the show is set after season two of Discovery. So when did he have time to grow the beard? Is the <laughs> <you> <laughs> well, to,
1: yeah, to go live his new quiet life, which he clearly seems to be doing.
0: Because season two of Discovery kind of set up where he's going to go off, he's going to have his adventures, and eventually hand the keys over to a certain James T. Kirk. In seven years, could it be that he decided to take a break and he got pulled back into service, or is this from before the cage when he was originally pulled in?
1: Right. Uh, yeah, I do wish we'd seen more. I have to say, like I, I enjoyed what they put, what they released, but I think we all really want to see that bridge, and they should just give us the bridge.
0: Well, but we've seen it. It's in the it's in the character trailer, you know. So no, I, I
1: know, but I mean a proper shot like here's the crew here's what they're doing here's them saying something i mean that's i just they should just do it i i feel like they're sort of following that discovery method of holding back holding back holding back and it's very frustrating
0: it's a teaser i think a real trailer will come out in april and then the show comes out in may it is kind of funny and i don't think it's a coincidence that the the trailer arrived within minutes, might even been like literally the same minute as the teaser trailer for Kenobi. Yeah. We had some fun with this on Twitter where we were comparing shots. And the Kenobi thing is more of a full-on trailer. I think they were calling theirs a teaser because it was the first as well. I thought they gave a lot more. Yeah, there was more. But no Darth Vader. And we know he's in the show. Spoiler alert it's not really spoiler, (laughs) (laughs) Darth Vader if
1: Darth Vader is a spoiler then we have time traveled (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) so anyway but enough of that other franchise let's move on
1: all right so we've been keeping you guys up to date on all the the Star Trek shows that are slowly disappearing from other streamers and outlets as Paramount plus consolidates everything and gets all the Trek shows so the next one is the next generation which which has still been on Netflix is going to be gone as of April 2nd leaving Deep Space Nine the only Star Trek series still on in the United States that's on Netflix
0: or on any you know because all of them are gone from Hulu all of them are gone from Amazon Prime yeah so it's just a matter of whenever the contract you know this week the CEO of uh, paramount was talking about used, they're using now the term repatriating because <laughs> um, they've got stuff they've got like i mean the star trek is a part of a larger thing they're trying to get the south park stuff back they've got all these deals they signed that they're basically trying to claw everything back it's just all part of a bigger picture for them
1: and also a trend in the industry like i think that some of the NV NB, the nbc shows are coming off hulu because they want them on peacock
0: This hasn't happened yet internationally because Paramount Plus hasn't grown enough internationally, I think. So all the Star Trek shows are still on Netflix, but two, three years from now, I think that's over too. Yeah. There was a nice thing that happened last weekend. Mike and Denise Sakuda, who are veteran designers on Star Trek going back to the 80s. You know, if you have a reference book from Star Trek in your library, it's likely they wrote it. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> And they're just wonderful people. And the Art Directors Guild honored them with Lifetime Achievement Awards last weekend. And uh, there's a nice ceremony. And... Herman Zimmerman, also a Lifetime Achievement Award recipient, their former boss at Paramount, introduced them. and There was a great video package put together, and you could watch it all at uh, trekmovie.com, and uh, it's really nice.
1: Yeah, I would say it's an 11 minutes very well spent. I think the introduction speech was great. Their speech was great. The package they showed was exciting and amazing, and you understood the depths of how much work they've done and and the creativity behind it so i would definitely watch it i mean i got a little you know emotional watching it so and then a lot of the folks from the you know these they're working on star trek picard there are a lot of trek vets now working behind the scenes on star trek picard and the art department was there to support them doug drexler was there a bunch of other people
0: you say, working on Star Trek Picard, let's clarify right. they yes. were were working because <laughs> Star Trek Picard has wrapped production as of Monday, not just for season three, but for the series. So everyone working on it, Jerry Ryan producers, I mean, Akiva still when we interviewed him a few weeks ago, left the door open. But there's no plans for any more right they they made this the final season to be a final season and it's over you know but i i'm certain we will see some of these characters again maybe not picard himself though i suspect that it might be over for stewart but
1: right or he'll be it'll be one of those things where he kicks off a series you know like if they if they launch a new series with some of the characters then he would be in the first episode
0: Everyone's really excited about the finale. Monfette, who made the announcement, as one of the executive producers, uh, described it as the next and final chapter in Picard's story is truly a remarkable thing. Um, and he's talking about season three, <laughs> where, yeah. where we just started season two, because they shot them back to back. I mean, Patrick Stewart has been, I mean, they've been at production for 13 months. You know, when we did the junket a few days ago, I could tell his voice was, it's, it's I think, and he's mentioned this. It's been grueling for him to be working for 13 months straight. I mean, he's 82 mm-hmm. years old. So I think he's ready to take a break. But that's it. Three and done.
1: Yeah. Before we get into this next part, we just want to warn people we've got some spoilers coming. Things coming in season two and season three. If you want to skip ahead to the review of the current episode, the times are up on the in the show notes.
0: So I had a chance to talked to Terry Metalis. He's the co-showrunner on season two, and he's the sole showrunner on season three. And he also directed the season three finale. We did a postmortem on the episode from last week. It's worth reading in full. He is one of those guys who we trust. He's a way into Star Trek, but also really good at his job, too. Just getting back to season three, he's teased a couple things. He said season three has one of the all-time great star trek villain performances i don't know what that means but you know <laughs> i mean you know in a world where khan exists you. i don't... was
1: gonna say that's it that <laughs> sets the bar pretty high
0: them big words he's throwing around is, is
1: right like... well he does say one of the he doesn't say the. so yeah fair there, enough he gives himself a little leeway
0: and he says we're concluding picard's story in the best most appropriate most satisfying way which sounds good and some of the details he says they're going to do more spaceship stuff basically he calls it nautical cat and mouse submarine movie kind of stuff in season three we know that there's a starfleet ship it's possibly the stargazer unless they redress those sets to be another ship but you know we they didn't build the stargazer to just blow it up i mean you know that those right those uh
1: it's a lot of work yeah, yeah
0: exactly <laughs> so those set we'll be seeing those sets again a lot but getting back to season two the one we're actually talking about he had some interesting stuff to say about that q's role in season two isn't he isn't just there to drive the plot he's there really to drive the character stories he said what he's doing is he's making the characters face themselves and decide who they want to become. So it's all about him challenging people.
1: He also spelled out the difference between each season, which I thought was really interesting, which there's been a lot of talk about. So he said that it's it's a three-part story and each season is a chapter, basically, and that they're all very distinct. So he said visually, tonally, narratively thematically and described each one as emotional as character driven but sci-fi so this is all stuff we like to hear
0: what's funny is he admits that because you know episode one had a lot of nods and things in it and he's like yeah we're doing that because we like to do that because we're nerds you know basically
1: (laughs) right i enjoy it and i'm gonna do it which you know there's i have no argument for that i'm like oh sure
0: it's not just him uh, we've talked about a guy named dave Blass is the production designer and he's huge nerd big time.
1: yeah and i mean if you're not following him on twitter then you are missing out because he is posting so many shots and explanations and when fans post he in with details he grabs their posts and explains things to them like it's just phenomenal
0: yeah the, in the last uh episode in episode one of season two there was that fleet of ships and they put a ton of effort into that. And he went through all of the ships. He put up detailed design images for every single ship in the fleet with the name of the ship. There was like a USS Uhura in there. There was also yeah. 34 ships in there, including the ship that Riker was in, in the season one finale, which so in theory, Riker was in episode one. Oh, right. Because he's on one of those ships. Well, he was in temporary command. We don't know if he's still in command of that ship. This is a couple years later.
1: Well, I was rolling with your theory, and then you're telling me why I shouldn't.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying it's not <laughs> it's not a given that it's Riker, but it's at least the same. It's It's Riker adjacent. It's Riker possible. One interesting detail is the Borg ship is called a singularity ship, which I think is important. I think it is driven by a black hole because there was the hawking radiation was detected Mm -hmm. and once you throw in the word black hole then it lends credence to the idea that that ship can travel through time if it's using a black hole as its power source right one last thing on picard is they released a coming this season trailer and another online promo And we did an analysis article, screen grabs that usual thing. There's some definite spoilers in there because if you, you know, the kind of things, if you look closely, we now have a little bit of a better understanding through episode two of the role Spiner's going to play, which is a character named Adam Sung.
1: And he has a scene with Q, at least one, where we see Q and Adam Sung, and we hear Q saying, I want you to remove an obstacle. And it looks like he's handing him some kind of blue vial or something. So mm-hmm. I don't know what that's about. You have a speculation?
0: Here's my tinfoil theory on this is that.
1: <laughs> I knew you had one.
0: So we think Guinan's coming back because Guinan can sense time stuff. I think Guinan is still in LA. So Guinan has some kind of defense against the powers of the Q.
1: It's not just jazz hands, it's more right. than
0: that. Somehow Q can't do something to Gaiden. He he needs an intermediary. He needs Sung to get through Gaiden. That's one guess. The other guess is it has something to do with Soji because there's a shot of Soji opening up a box like a gift and this like steam comes out of it.
1: Hasn't she been down this road before? <laughs> she should know better than to just open random gifts like that. Yeah,
0: Soji it's unclear how she ends up in la in the past even weirder orla brady appears in the trailer but without pointy ears and with weird white eyes yes and there's a few of these weird white eye characters and we think it's something related to the watcher which is what the queen talks about in episode two still not Totally clear what that's about, (laughs) Um, but you know it sounds like it's going to be an important part of the show.
1: So there's also we see Rios is getting arrested, and it looks like it's somehow like an immigration thing connected to what's going on in this country now. And he looks like he hooks up with somebody. I'm a little jealous. I can't help it. (laughs) And also, how about Agnes? I mean, I sort of I didn't like the way that they got together. But now I'm good with them being together. So that was a little disappointing. But I guess they're over. And she, Agnes, gets some crazy scene where she's running around LA, leaping over cars in a big red dress.
0: And if you look closely, which we do, (laughs) there's a moment where she's running past Seven, who's down on the ground, leaning against a dumpster looking injured so it seems if not confirmed very likely that at some point the queen gets influence over agnes
1: again familiar territory for our friend
0: agnes can't the girl just have a normal <laughs> life without someone getting into her brain and
1: i know and you know her brain's already got a lot going on <laughs> it's very busy in there
0: yeah yeah Okay, so I guess we've talked enough about Picard that we should talk about Picard, right?
1: All right, let's review it.
0: Let's start off by talking about the second episode of season two of Picard, titled
1: Penance. Penance! So what are, what's your big picture overview?
0: The season continues to be great. You know, I thought it was a very strong episode. It was very different, obviously, than the first episode, although there were some interesting parallels. It felt like a... St- even though this is highly serialized season and show, it was kind of self-contained in a way. You know, it's one of those you know, we've we've done this before. Obviously, you know the we're in a we're in a different world episode, right? Of course, they hung a lantern on that by name-dropping yesterday's Enterprise.
1: And in a mirror darkly, they also name-dropped.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> case you didn't get it. The, the, yeah, I think they're just having fun. You know, whatever. But the point is, I felt it was. It it de- definitely stood on its own in the pantheon of all of those. You know, it's it's also another Space Nazi episode, if you want to throw in that subgenre. <laughs> I still feel the pacing was great. Doug did, you know, both of these episodes, same director. Yep. One and two. I think we're off to a great start. We'll get into details later. So that's my just top level. I enjoyed it. Off to a great start. I'm just as jazzed as I was last week with the first episode.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. I thought every scene moved us forward. Tons of big plot points and pieces of information, but all delivered beautifully with lots of small character moments woven in. The pacing was really strong. I liked how smart um, our whole crew is and when they figure out like what to do and how to handle themselves. So I appreciate cause sometimes I don't know. Sometimes it can be frustrating when you feel smarter than the person you're watching. And in this case... I didn't. So I just thought it was intense and great.
0: They've all seen the show too, right? So all of them, except for Elnor, who really, but everyone else pretty quickly got what was going on.
1: Oh, he did. I thought he did pretty well. Like, I haven't loved his character in the past, but... and he's not doing very well at the end of this episode, but um, <laughs> but I but he obviously got what was going on and knew when to he knew when to get beaten up and when to step up. Yeah, yeah, but he
0: had like, you know, Gerardi and Seven and Picard all and I and Raffi I think all pretty you know figured out they're in a parallel universe or something. You know, yeah. Gerardi um,
1: took an extra second.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like how she kind of worked worked through that. The one thing, like Seven did these weird tests to, you know, sort out whether, you know, but what she didn't do, which I thought everyone should at least, someone should have tried it, which is to say computer and program. Oh. (laughs) Right? Because that's a possibility. No one ever, no one thought this was, you know, that they were in a holodeck simulation.
1: Right. Which is funny. But I thought she and Jurati both approached it like scientists, which I liked very much.
0: Yeah. It started off very strong because it picks up right where we left off with Q. And those scenes with him and the you know, Patrick Stewart and John Delancey were just so powerful.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I loved about those scenes was it captured their old relationship that we're familiar with. But they let you know in no uncertain terms how different this is. That slap was a big deal.
0: Yeah. I think some fans are probably going to be like, wait a minute q doesn't slap and i think you know it's like yeah that's the point you
1: yeah know? that is the point it tells us in case we weren't sure it tells us everything is different that was not the q that we've seen before and the q and picard that we've seen before and he said it when picard said i've had enough of your stupid patronizing
0: it, and later picard notes that there's something off with q yes um so he he noticed is it as well i still believe and there's nothing in this that has dissuaded me that q's dying Mm -hmm. um or or some or the equivalent of dying in in the continuum there's something like that although one of the weird things is i'm not sure how much to read into this but he talked about how you aren't a piece in the game you are the playing board picard yes yeah i haven't figured out what that means because We've worked out that Q did something back in L.A. in 2024. So what would that have to do? Because this isn't like tapestry where one decision Picard made when he was, you know, a cadet. Right. You know, this is what did what does Picard have to do with 2024 L.A.? That's that's what I was wondering, too. I'm like, because there's because
1: he kept saying he said, thank you, was saying things like show them a world of their own making. And they ask you what you've done. He's trying to make it very clear. This is Picard's fault. It's something Picard has done. It's all about him. And yet Picard couldn't have done anything in
0: 2024. I'm going to jump ahead, but I think we know what happened in 2024 that's different. And it's it's a blink-if-you-miss-it moment. But in the middle of a couple of shots, there's an establishing shot of San Francisco. There's a giant hologram statue. And if you look closely at the statue at the bottom, there's a name. And that name is Adam Sung. Oh, And he's holding a... So he's kind of like the Lady Liberty of San Francisco Bay. He's holding a globe in his hand. And he is saying, because you could hear it, which would be really annoying if you lived in San Francisco, I guess, because the statue talks and and everyone. um, And the statue is saying, a safe galaxy is a human galaxy, which, and, and it looked like Spiner, of course. No, it was Spiner's voice. That line, a safe galaxy is a human galaxy, was in Picard's speech, the evil Picard speech. Yep. So it's kind of like a, probably a recurring mantra of... This evil empire, this confederation. So I'm guessing Adam Sung is the founder of the confederation, and uh, and because of the trailers we've seen, we know that there is a Spiner Sung in 2024. So this Adam Sung, something he did changed things. But what does that have to do with Picard? that's yeah, the how thing. is that
1: Picard's fault? We don't know.
0: Right. In fact, in the trailers, we've seen him interacting with Q. It's like, it's not Picard's fault. It's your fault. So I don't know. That's a head scratcher right there. But I'm sure it's supposed to be. These guys, they are definitely paying attention. I mean, there's lots of little tiny details in this. So
1: Well, everything feels very carefully constructed.
0: I hate to say this, but thanks to the pandemic, you know, they had a ton of time. To write right. this season. It was supposed to be shot originally in the summer of twenty twenty and they didn't start shooting until February twenty twenty one. Right. There's even a clue to all this in that when you look at the screen credits for this, it has three screenwriters. Um so it's Akiva and Terry again, and Christopher Monfett, who's joined the show in season one, I believe. Yeah, he's
1: an E P also.
0: But Shaban got a story credit. Yeah, um, you know he talked about working on scripts for the season way back in early 2020 or like right after uh, season one wrapped up. So it's quite possible that they had worked out some stuff and and Shabon wrote some stuff, and then it possibly got so rewritten that he went from screenwriter to story by, which is how the WGA works, right?
1: Yep, because the teleplay credit is different. It's the three of them without him.
0: The other thing is Akiva's talked about how they benefited from this time. You know, in season one, they didn't set things up early enough in early parts of the season.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: And. Um, <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Every piece that they've put in connects. You know, all the dots are connecting and it feels rich and full. And the it's not just the details of oh, they remote, They know old Star Trek things. It's just, it's building the story and it just feels so carefully crafted and it's it goes fast. I mean, so much happens in this episode. And they're so, I think I used this word the last time too, but they're so efficient about covering what we need to cover in an entertaining way and moving things forward as quickly as possible.
0: Well, so far for the first couple episodes, we're not getting any B stories, although there's different locations and different characters happening. And certainly in this episode, everyone's kind of working on the same thing. Everyone's headed towards the same goal, which right. is let's get at. And I'm kind of glad. I mean, well, we still I get the sense that they're not going to be in this alternate universe for long. So right. it feels like this was the alternate universe episode. And then they're just going to go back and try to undo it. So I don't think we're going to be seeing this universe much more.
1: No, I think they'll figure out, you know, how to get out of the clutches of Seven's evil husband, who, by the way, is played by Soji's real life dad.
0: I know, that's so weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's so um, cool. Must have been. I mean, they're not in scenes together, but I think that's pretty great.
0: Issa father. Yes, yeah. sorry. Like, the, I thought that was cool. I think he's a good character. He was very menacing. Sure, it was an opportunity. Like, there was a moment where I thought, what if they did an evil Chakotay for that, you know, as her husband? But I'm not kidding. Mm. No, no. It would have been, been too much, I think. It's, and,
1: I think it just brings in elements that they don't need.
0: Because this guy was unpredictable and he wasn't stupid. That's the thing. He slowly but surely was figuring out there is something wrong with, I was going to say Seven, but from his right. Annika hansen president president Anika Han-
1: i love president Annika hansen
0: i love what raffi says when she hears the seven's the president oh she's gonna wear that gracefully
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i also like in that moment when she wakes up and she hears a sound seven she goes raffi like she assumes that it's raffi that occupies the other side of that bed but
0: yeah nope Again, this was very much like, so episode one, you had Picard, he starts off at his chateau, and then you we run around the universe to meet everyone else. And the same thing happened here, and a couple of them, both Gerardi and Seven, literally woke up. And I th- they call this episode, apparently, the Wake Up World episode, because everyone's kind of waking up. Right. The conceit I think we're dealing with here, and Q says it is, he has decided who gets to, quote, wake up. Because Elnor was on another ship. He wasn't even on the Stargazer.
1: Yeah, Raffi and Elnor were on the Excelsior.
0: Obviously, Q watched season one, and he knows what, was who was in say. the main credits. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's getting most of the gang back together, because yeah. he got to the show.
0: But for some reason, he didn't bring along either Laris or, or at least that we could tell so far. But we saw no indication of Laris and no indication of Soji in this alt universe
1: yeah well they they said laris is dead exactly my friend harvey let him know that
0: and no one even <laughs> asked about sochi I, i'm almost certain there's stuff from a trailer so she's a big part that of the publicity yeah that can't be it but how would she be in la
1: we'll get there yeah be patient
0: <laughs> i feel like we're going to be in la pretty soon that's the thing is this show has you thinking it's like what's going on people aren't acting stupid to move the plot forward as you were saying
1: yeah they're acting smart to move it forward like everybody handled their situation really well
0: although you know jurati uh i I mean she did really smart things but she (laughs) She was a bit flustered You know. I well, I
1: am really enjoying her. Like she is bringing an energy to these scenes that's so much fun, and I love that she just made up some really long story and said she <laughs> called her seven because she had seven shots. My old drinking pal, the president, Annika, seven shots.
0: <laughs> Allison Pill, she really is nailing it this season. She's doing yes, great work, really good. Co- I don't remember her being this funny. I mean, did, is it that I just forgot, or has she gotten better at it?
1: Well, she i I think I mean she always was a little bit sort of funny, but I also think she she had all this tragedy around her and then was possessed so
0: right <laughs> that right. that
1: took some of the joy out of her, and now she's kind of past that and talks to Patton Oswalt as an animated cat.
0: yes spot what is it spot 73 something like that yes yes that was so random but great i'm sure he just lost it when he was asked do you want to be in star trek because yeah uh, he's a
1: huge fan so yeah that was very funny spot 73 your very best friend meow (laughs) exactly (laughs) the meow was a nice touch
0: (laughs) throughout the thing like you know when the queen is talking and she goes tell me about it sister you know i mean it's just so (laughs) Girardi was so good in all of the little moments here. She's definitely the MVP of the week for for me. Although he rarely does this, but Picard was hamming it up during the rally scene. I think he was doing like an impersonation of Mussolini. Like, look at him and watch Mussolini. He's definitely doing his like Mussolini, I think.
1: When he's riling up the crowd, when he's got them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He jumps into it, uh, into character, as it were. He's got acting skills. I mean, the the cap. Well, no, but I mean, Captain Picard had acting skills. They showed him act as an actor. Yes. And and Macbeth did get a name check in this episode as well.
1: I've seen him in Macbeth. (laughs) He's good in it. Yeah, he was very good. (laughs) I mean, my other MVP is Annie Worshing as the Borg Queen. And the Borg Queen makeup and just the Borg Queen torso. Like when my youngest was little, you know, those dolls they used to have, it used to be like just like a Barbie head kind of thing so that girls could do like the hair and the face and whatever. Yeah. Kids to play with. We had one, we called it Bianca No Legs, just because it was just a head. (laughs) And I just kept thinking, Bianca No Legs is my new name for the Borg Queen. But she was great. And I thought the makeup was good and the way she's suspended and... And her facial expressions and everything about her. I think she did a great job.
0: The the moment when Seven sees her, I mean, that was great. Mm -hmm. She calls Seven tertiary adjunct, which is part of her family name, as it were. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All the stuff in the lab was really good, I think. She
1: called Gerardi a fragile teacup.
0: I mean, there's definitely something going on with the two of them. In a weird way that I think is going to play out through the season.
1: I mean, Akiva had mentioned that in the interview uh, that we talked about before, which was that they're pairings, and he mentioned them specifically as a pairing.
0: The thing about Rios that I can't put my finger on here is that he's now a starship captain, but he's kind of still acting like he used to act. He should be more Federation starship captain again, and less kind of rough and tumble. I don't know. Well, Maybe. except
1: he's a warrior and he obviously, and they were like great strategy Rios. So yeah. he's obviously still being his interesting independent guy. I mean, I want to, I want to see more with him. Like, I feel like he's got the least amount of sort of time and moments and exploration of, of exactly what's going on with him.
0: They show up on the shit on the La Serena with the Borg queen. And he's like, Oh, you can't plug her. In. It's like, doesn't, you know, why doesn't he know that's the plan? First of all, it's not even his ship; it's an alternate universe ship. And he gave his ship to Seven anyway. His ship is the USS Stargazer. He should be more concerned about getting back to that. And if the Borg Queen could get him back to that,
1: yeah, but he didn't know he wasn't there for any of those conversations. He didn't know that Borg Queen was even coming.
0: I guess I don't know. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean he's he was they just sprung this on him. You know, here <laughs> you by the way, there's a Borg Queen, and we're plugging her into your ship. He didn't know what was going on.
0: Now, what did you think? overall the parallel universe itself i mean i liked it there was there was a couple moments that might have been a little too heavy-handed the alternate version of the space the final frontier speech was that a little too much or are you okay with that
1: no i was fine i was good with it
0: i did like you know all the you know his trophy room and it was all the the, the
1: skulls i actually you know i didn't well i did actually did not enjoy the name dropping of episode titles at all, I was sort of annoyed by that, but I really enjoyed the calling out of who the skulls belonged to and what happened to them. Like that was just a nice
0: touch. I'm sure if we talk to the writers, I bet they have you know a name and a story for every one of them. We we got Goldicott and Martok, Martok
1: and Serik,
0: but there was four others. Like there was a Ferengi, which is probably um yeah. You know, there was a
1: Ferengi. Borg. Yeah, there was some yeah. other stuff in there.
0: I mean, Spock kind of gets name dropped because they mentioned Sarek's son had to watch. Although
1: him. I kept thinking, which wife? Which son?
0: <laughs> yeah. What about his... <laughs> by the way, what about his daughter? Um, right. Right. <laughs> well, she time traveled. But did she time travel in this universe? So, Right. You
1: know. I know. And was it Cyborg? There's so many questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, of course, the walls were covered. There was all sorts of just Easter eggs everywhere in this. They, oh, yeah. They, they finally got another use out of that overly ridiculous... <laughs>
1: Torchbearer,
0: torchbearer, which they spent like a billion dollars on and used it once, so it's like, well, you know, let's wheel that thing out again.
1: Sure, no (laughs) one may as well. (laughs) And poor Picard having to drink black coffee. He says, "This really is the circle that Dante overlooks after they get after he gets black coffee instead of tea."
0: (laughs) You know, but there was even subtler stuff. You know, there's freeze frame moments. Like uh, when Seven's trying to find out where Rios is, there's a, a screen that talked about a core called Delta Seven that are supposed to use the Metreon Cascade on, huh. the, um, on the Vulcans, which, of course, is a just a, you know, just a totally obscure Voyager reference for a weapon of mass destruction.
1: And her husband mentions General Cisco.
0: Yeah. Now... Last week, we were talking about the state of the Borg. So when Seven was talking to the queen, trying to talk her back, saying, you know, give her a reason to help them, she said, get back to the collective in the Delta Quadrant. So I guess right. maybe Borg, besides the cube that they captured um, or the Romulans captured, and they said they, you know, the ones they know are decimated. But apparently back in the Delta Quadrant, they're still going strong and right. there's there's still something to work with i guess so they're not wiped out right ba- back in i'm talking prime universe because we were a little confused about that last week yeah one thing that you know the, you have to there's all sorts of little things happening like you hear things from the pa and the computers talking and one subtle thing is apparently the queen's nanobot probes or nanobots are turned off so she can't assimilate anyone right but the question is will that la- like is that a permanent situation or does it require power now that she's in la serena is that still the case that she's been neutralized or is she can she just like assimilate charade for example we'll-,
1: we'll find out soon enough yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's gotta be something they're gonna be addressing
0: <laughs> yeah well it might it might have settled rios's nerve if They knew that she's been, you know, defanged, as it were, at least from that point of view.
1: Right. I mean, there wasn't time in this episode for any detailed conversations
0: about what's going on. Do you think there's any message about this world? I mean, it's obviously incredibly xenophobic. Are they trying to say this is us? This is the dark version or this is where we're headed if we don't get. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, you know, climate change was addressed. Yeah, you know, you know all of that, and then definitely like a rally with people screaming and yelling and calling for destruction. I mean, yes, feels very familiar. Sadly,
0: <laughs> are you saying that uh, you could hear one of the guys in the crowd screaming, "Lock her up,
1: <laughs> make make everything great again, yeah. make the earth great again." The point was, it was a very selfish viewpoint because it was all about everything's, you know, we have to further our own resources and wealth and strength. And that is unfortunately where we are right now.
0: This is the kind of the worst case scenario of where it could end up.
1: Right. And especially like Picard has fought against this kind of thing his entire life. He's fought against ignorance and xenophobia, and that's what Starfleet stands for, but also... He in particular stands for those things. So it's I mean, in a way, it's such a funny thing to bring up. But it did make me think about patterns of force for a hot minute. And how weird I kept thinking, like, as you watch that, it's hard not to be aware that Shatner and Nimoy were Jewish. wearing these nazi uniforms and then i so and then i just translated that into character of just picard's character as someone who specifically was against all of these things in such a strong way
0: they did figure out uh, getting back to ducat uh they used that as the excuse of they wanted you to know picard is still in a robot body
1: yes he's the reason picard has his nifty synthetic body
0: Right. But that's I mean, that shows a subtle, subtle level of detail because people were would be wondering if he's jumped into the universe, does he have his old body back? And that they, they, you know, so they they are paying attention to little details to make sure. Nope, he's still robot body.
1: And again, I really appreciate the way they wove them in, because it wasn't like the glaring one from last week was I felt the the. More artificial moment was Lair saying, even though it's been a year and a half since Siobhan died, it, that felt a little bit, okay, they want us to know how much time has passed. <laughs> yeah. But this stuff, I just felt, was was seamlessly part of what was going on between Q and Picard.
0: Last week, we were talking about the Borg Queen being different. And again, this is that, so Seven said it. She's like, this is a different queen than the one that was on the Stargazer. Yep. To make it clearer. But it also there was the moment when Rafi was hidden. They were trying to hide who was helping Elnor. And then they had the kind of cliched. She takes the hood off and it's oh it's Rafi. Right. But that that like last week we were saying, you don't put someone in a hood or in a mask unless you're gonna do the reveal. Right. So so this only reinforced my belief that there is something under that helmet, if we ever get back to that universe, that's a big deal and that it's something familiar.
1: Yeah, I feel like at some point, we, I feel like we're going to go back to that moment before self-destruct. At yeah. some point, not for a very long time.
0: Or they're going to change something so that it plays out differently, but yeah. Because obviously, if they go back to the moment, it'll just happen again. Like, they have to stop...
1: Whatever yeah, right, happens
0: has to right. stop Picard...
1: From calling for the self-destruct.
0: Yeah. I mean, because once you... I mean, or get him to stop it they basically got 10 seconds to fill right um, and somewhere in there they've got to fix that and i think that is maybe what the whole season is about it's still unclear what does any of this have to do with that borg queen right you know i'm sure it's related
1: yeah i mean the thing is because these episodes are so strong i feel a confidence that we're not going to be left out in the cold with this stuff. Everything that's there is there for a specific reason is an important part, piece of the puzzle.
0: I feel like maybe you and I, because we just went through Prodigy and we got to trust the showrunners of Prodigy, that when things were weird and confusing, and we're still doing that with Prodigy, by the way, because there are some weird, confusing things still about the timeline. But we're assuming they've got this all planned out because they keep on saying they do. And I do have a lot of trust in Terry specifically, who right. is a time travel nut. The big question here is it does seem pretty laid out that the rules they're using, which is always important with time travel, and I think this episode was establishing that they are using the kind of back to the future or city on the edge of forever type rules. Also, Star Trek First Contact to extent that you go back and change something and it changes everything. Yeah. And you therefore have to go back and change it back to fix it. They're drawing a distinction between a timeline like the Kelvin universe and an alternate reality. So there's an alternate timeline, an alternate universe. Some you know, like some people say the mirror universe is just an alternate timeline. And there is a point of divergence sometime in the past. But this is a this is a rewritten timeline, which I think Picard and the Queen the Queen is the one that basically says, "Yeah, that's the case."
1: Right, time has been broken, but the trust issue is a big one because last season, I you know we didn't have a lot of trust for some good reason. Like there was some stuff that was just kind of slapped in here and yanked out there, and <laughs> didn't all come together or make a lot of sense. And I think that they. Really learned from that, and I already f- am feeling like confident in this season.
0: We should be open-minded. There will be things that don't work, probably, and not everything worked in this episode. So uh, I just have more confidence, certainly. But so far, everything's great. This episode, strangely, was kind of fun, even though it was a horrible, evil, awful. But it was.
1: It was a bit of a romp.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was well, a bit
1: rompy. You know, we we had, we. I mean, besides the co- comedic lines and moments like that, it was still like a crazy, sort of fun adventure. Yeah, as a viewer, I mean,
0: which you, which you get, you know, when you get to go to an alternate universe. I thought it was interesting that the the universe was evil, but it didn't like look horrible, except for the stuff in the sky. But you know, his chateau was still pretty nice. The presidential palace they used the Disney Hall from. Uh, downtown Los Angeles is a beautiful concert hall. It's really nice, you know. So they didn't have, they didn't overdo it on the evilness, except for the black Nazi-like flags and stuff like that. How
1: about the how about the Romulan slaves working at the chateau? That that wasn't very nice. Yeah, they did not. They look like people who'd been, you know, beaten and terrorized.
0: Right, but you can overdo it with these dystopian alternate worlds i think and i i think they made a lot of interesting choices and i i just i liked the world building that they did here is what i'm saying yeah i would agree we were wrong i thought that the grid above the planet was some kind of defense shield but apparently it was something they used to clean up the atmosphere right one thing they did kind of make clear though is yes this confederation is powerful but it has serious problems. You know, that there's rebels on Earth, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Vulcans are still fighting back. So, uh, you know, good for the Vulcans, right?
1: <laughs> you go,
0: Vulcans. <laughs> yeah. Who will mind meld your balls or something, yeah, according or to Rios. <laughs> <like that. laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, so obviously they've changed tactics a little, but still. <laughs> You know, good for them. It would have been curious to see some more of that. But, you know, this is a. it was a. I think it's one and done and I think it's good.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I just I just found it very exciting, which is just delightful to sit and watch and be thrilled by a new Star Trek
0: episode. And the cliffhanger wasn't I still don't feel like we're not missing out on not being able to binge watch. Like it was still a cliffhanger, but, you know, it wasn't like, God, you know, you're not giving me enough. Which we, obviously, that's an issue that we've had with Discovery Season 4. Yeah. They are giving us enough in each one of these episodes where, you know, although you don't want to wait a week, it's, you know, it's reasonable.
1: Right. Again, also because they're really packing it in.
0: Yeah. Well, since we've got two episodes to discuss today, I think that's pretty much it for Picard. Yeah,
1: I think we should move on. So now it's time to talk about Discovery, Episode 412. Finally named Species 10C. We've been trying to get close to this species the whole season. Tony, what's your big picture view of this episode?
0: Well, it's a lot like how I felt about the penultimate episode of the first 10 of Prodigy in that I feel like it's fun and exciting and there's some good stuff, but it's not a complete sandwich. It's half a sandwich.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: We've said that this is a good season for binging. This is maybe the most bingeable episode yet. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it, but I, I kind of can't tell how much I liked it until I watch next week's episode. So there's plenty to talk about, but I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm feeling, you know, unfulfilled. Unlike well, Picard, definitely- which, which was very, even though Picard was highly serialized and we know kind of where they're headed, that felt far more fulfilling as an episode, even though that was only episode two. It still felt like a standalone and yet fulfilled its serialized arc.
1: Well, it sort of had a beginning, middle and end, even though it's not an end. Right. And that's and this one is definitely feels like a two parter. Yeah. It, this isn't the whole story.
0: They probably um, should have called and, it a two parter to real, to like warn us, you know? Yeah,
1: I I think this is legit a two parter. So, yeah, I agree. You know, my overall view is like there were things, there were elements of this episode that I thought were great and sort of the building, the step-by-step building of communication I thought was really fun and interesting and riveting. And then there's so many things that just frustrated me at the same time where I felt like they should have known better.
0: How could people be this smart and this stupid at the same time?
1: Exactly. And, and there are a couple of different places where it happened. So it's just, it gets very frustrating because there's such good stuff in there. It's almost that if they just took a little effort to come up with a believable reason for things to happen, like they want certain things to happen. And I get that they're telling a story, but sometimes you have to explain why things turned out that way or why that person did that weird thing they shouldn't have done.
0: Or, so or more they, often, why isn't a person doing a thing?
1: Right. And I also think I love their guest stars, but their guest stars have become the stars. And some of their main characters are really fading into the background.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, President Relic obviously is a major character for the season. And Dr. Harai, who we knew was going to play a big role, is definitely a big role in this episode. And good. And still snacking. Of course.
1: Yeah, he's still so, I was so happy he was still <laughs> snacking. I mean, no and Tarka too. Like we have all these big important characters, and they're great, and I and I'm enjoying all of them, but it definitely is taking away from moments that like the council of the first contact council is most is like Saru and guest stars.
0: And so yeah. Adira and Stamitz and Culber and Zora kind of all have things to do this episode, but it's almost like in service of the b-story so they are they are a sub story within the b-story right from a character point of view this episode really michael and book have the most character development here
1: once saru has some great stuff in this one
0: this was an episode where they decided to go heavy on the science which i like actually i mean Mm -hmm. they're 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 leaning into this the the trope of star trek from the beginning which is that it's just too damn easy to talk to people and the universal translator always works almost one of the biggest episodes of next generation darmok is about how the universal translator is so powerful you only run into problems when you when it's working but you don't have the right context but it's right. still working it's, you know
1: it's all about context. I mean, they look, they took elements from things that are from sci-fi, big sci-fi movies, like the three that I was thinking of, um, Contact, Arrival, and Close Encounters. There were definitely elements of each of those as they were trying to communicate and trying to develop this language. I really liked the way they did it. I thought it was really a fun ride.
0: All of that is great. And they're citing real science. Mm-hmm. You know, and last week I talked about, and we put this up on the site, the whole thing about how C could be inspired by Carl Sagan and right. possibly even Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, and that still, I think, holds because we never really got a good look at Tennessee, but it you know they definitely live in gas giants and they're gigantic. Mm-hmm. They do like to dip into some hard sci-fi every once in a while, or at least call to it. And that is, in a sense, the crux of this episode, which is, what if you're in a hard sci-fi situation where, yeah, it would take forever to figure out how to communicate with someone. You just don't pop up to a planet and start saying, hey, what's up? Except that right. that's how Star Trek works because you just want to get to the fun parts, right?
1: Right. Because the show is an hour or however <laughs> or long it ends up being. So, yeah.
0: If every week you had half an hour of this, you know, let's do math problems. And so they have two dramas to throw at. And a wrench into the fun, which is Tarka, which everyone seems to have forgotten he exists.
1: I just, I can't even with Tarka. I what? It's so frustrating to me that the minute we saw him in his first episode, we're all like, "That guy's trouble." And over and over, we keep saying, "How come no one noticed that guy's trouble?" And then everyone notices he's trouble, and then they just forget.
0: All episode, no one mentions him or book once. Yeah, on the yeah. ship, you should at least say. That for some reason they're sure he didn't make it through the galactic barrier, right? And this gets back to they need a security officer. They need someone on the ship who's paranoid, you know, because they all seem to be very laissez-faire about the, They're like, oh, every, you know, everything's fine. We don't like need a security
1: chief, you mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. Where's yeah. Nod or someone, you know, someone. Some, some hard ass to say, Captain, let's be paranoid right now. Um, yeah. The closest thing they have is Zora, who needs therapy this episode, um, because she can sense something's wrong, but isn't quite sure what. So she needs to talk about her feelings once again with Culber. It's like, oh, man, come on. Sometimes the show is a parody of itself. It's like, God, seriously.
1: (laughs) Well, it's like the whole everybody keeps checking in with Culber to see how Culber's doing. And I can't tell if this is just... Checking in with him is the point, or if there's going to be a big thing where he's going to lose his shit at some point. Like I don't know what's happening because it's hard to tell. They're they're it's such a light touch. Like oh, we just need to take a vacation, and I think well that's important and a good message that people need a break, but it sure doesn't solve all your problems. So I don't even know what if they're trying to get at something or not.
0: I think they're kind of saying. He's through the looking glass and he's okay. And, you know, he had this profound experience on the planet where he felt happiness or joy, whatever the molecule was.
1: It was love, remember? Because she did the face from the game. (laughs)
0: Right.
1: I mean, I actually really liked when he said that. Like when he said, I've been trying to figure out how to feel that again. And you're going to laugh at me, but many, many decades ago, um, I tried acid. (laughs) And I had the exact same reaction afterwards. Like after I came down from the very happy high, I was like, I have to figure out how to have this feeling in my regular life. Like that's the feeling I want. So I related to that and I thought it was great. But I still, just these little mentions of, how are you okay? Oh, I think I'm okay, but I'm not great. I just, I'm not sure where they're going.
0: (laughs) Well, they've only got one episode left and I'm not sure that there's much more there's no time. <laughs> to that storyline. Right. Getting back to the hard science, they seem to be trying really hard to make 10C into something unlike we've seen before in Star Trek. And I mean, you know, I would say they're doing a good job so far. I, I think this episode actually answered the big question we've had all season, which is, are 10C doing it? Are they bad guys? Are they doing it on purpose? And the the, the scene on the fake discovery which is a time and money saver, right there. What mm-hmm. um, it it implied that Tensy didn't get it; they didn't know they were right doing bad things. They felt Molecule sad about it, um, and <laughs> I was
1: Molecule uh, <laughs> sad about it too.
0: Yeah, and, you know, so that's that's good, right? That's, so that's kind of a breakthrough. Well, and they they explain it that they're on yeah. artist chef scale, where yeah. they're so advanced that we're monkeys with um, rocks to them. I loved how the president (laughs) said, we have a spaceship.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) she was a little offended, I thought, which was good. I mean, to me, the test of that is really when you watch it again, is it still interesting? And is it, you know, that's the trick. And I would say yes, having watched that episode a couple of times for this podcast, those scenes, I didn't feel like I needed to skip through like, oh, I got it. I didn't. It was still fun to watch. So I would say that in that way, it worked. All that stuff worked.
0: The the problem is that the drama that they were creating uses the idiot plot trope, which is you need your characters to be stupid to make it work. And that's annoying. That being said, I thought the character stuff that happened on the book ship, especially with Reno, who finally has something to do where we're learning more about her. And we finally learned the whole thing about book, which I love. Because its book is essentially the Dread Pirate Roberts, right?
1: Well, I mean, I loved it, except that at this point, I was like, by now, I don't even care anymore in a way. Like this, this the timing of it was right in the middle of so many other things going on that it just, it felt shoehorned in to me. But I did like Reno saying, <laughs> she goes, you share a name with someone? That's not confusing at all. Yeah. And then later she calls him the fifth or something, right?
0: Yeah. Book the fifth. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, but it's an interesting, and it makes sense in this world that essentially your name becomes a brand name and you just take on the brand name. Yeah. Um, And no one wonders why book has been around for over a hundred years.
1: Like the Dread Pirate Roberts. No, I mean, it is exactly the same. (laughs) I would only question the timing of delivering that story.
0: Reno's story was perfectly timed. Reno's yes. like, you are obsessed. And the reason you're obsessed is you've suffered a loss and I can relate because of my personal life and my wife. Right. And, got, you know, and so that was very impactful and made a lot of sense because Tarka and Book are acting out of fear and out of loss. And I wish Book turned – because we knew eventually Book was going to turn on Tarka. And here's the thing that kind of bugs me is – it took Reno to say, you know, he's about to do a genocide.
1: Because I can see his plans from
0: here. I wish Book turned before that because Tarka was going full evil, right? And even though he had some explanation of like, well, maybe not everyone's going to die. It's like, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an excuse. Um, <laughs> you know, it would have been nice to see Book. I mean, Book clearly had conflict with Tarka, but it was pretty much on board until the genocide. And then that was the thing. And I felt like his redemption arc would have been more fulfilling if he listened to Reno and realized, you're right, this is wrong. All of this is wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, he figured it all much too late. And the scene I wanted to see, like she says to him, you know, she says, tell him to show you the math. His equations won't make any sense, but the look on his face will. And then they didn't show us that moment. They sort of showed us after that moment. Book would have been smarter had he done what she said, seen the look on his face, and not given it away right away. That, to me, would have made for a more entertaining scene. It would have made Book look smarter. I know the point is that Book is going through such colossal grief, which they made a big point of building all that up before he went off with Tarka, that he's, he's running blind. He's in this other place. But I still think that would have helped redeem him
0: that's the funny thing is no one was planning on what tark is doing but Tarka was planning on book betraying him he was ready for them but they weren't ready for him
1: yeah well he's been working book since he met him it's been really frustrating watching nobody figure out what's going on i mean reno reno knows from the first second that he's a few cherries short of a sunday
0: <laughs> yeah, she had a lot of good lines for sure in this did. episode
1: she really really did while we're talking about her. There was one thing I thought was super, you know, in that little area where she's kind of locked in. There's like a random sort of pile of stuff in there. Just all these different things. And one of the things, or actually a couple of them, looked like the I think it was called the M4 from Requiem for Methuselah that would get the that was helping mix the drug that they needed. Was it Ritalin? Is that what it was?
0: I don't. You know the one with
1: Flint? The original series episode of Flint?
0: yes but i i don't remember in this episode anything that Lagos so i i have to watch it again yeah
1: you have to watch it again because it looks like they just took parts of it and put it in there i don't know it just struck me for some reason
0: it it, it just seemed untidy to me like why is your nice beautiful wood paneled ship have this just kind of pile of junk in the corner
1: well, maybe it's um, tarka's <laughs> junk because you know book stuff was all put away <laughs>
0: yeah these two are the odd couple yeah (laughs) speaking of side stories i did enjoy just because i i love it is the saru and tarina sub 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 plot that had it just it was just enough like that's the thing like we don't need a lot but there were just a few couple moments you know where they're still navigating through and michael had some good advice she's like look dating a vulcan is you know
1: a pain in the ass. Well yeah. I loved I loved when he described Tarina as rather strident. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's when Michael's like, Vulcans overcompensate and Sarek drove me crazy and he's so happy that he understands a little better. So but yeah, I felt that I felt his pain when she was being strident. <laughs> I but love she the was word,
0: strident. But but when they had a moment alone, Tarina was more open with him when yes. they, got, they got on the pod and she's like it basically admitted this is difficult for me because, you know, I'm way into you in her own way. She right.
1: Said, but then she says, this is why I don't get way into people. And then just as he's puzzling over that and trying to figure out, like, what do I how do I respond to that? Then someone pops in like, this is for you. Someone beams in, it just goes, interrupts them and ruins it.
0: Yeah, those those transporters really are <laughs> the worst when it comes to, you know, ruining the moment. As Yeah. It were.
1: When people come and go, it's, ve- it's very st- strange and intense. And I feel like a violation of privacy.
0: <laughs> I think Zora should be smart enough to know there should be like an, an awkward algorithm. Like, would this or would this not be awkward to allow this person to beam that close to this these right. other two people? <laughs> Another Saru related thing was the weird Primal Scream thing.
1: I loved it. I thought it was great. I love the way he said, I could demonstrate. And then she's like, okay. And then he makes this hilarious, weird noise and gets self-conscious. And then Michael says, that's not even close to the weirdest thing that's happened today. (laughs) (laughs) And then she tries it. She's so awkward. And like, she feels it's weird. He gets her going. They start doing it just literally just as I started laughing they started laughing.
0: It does feel like it's possibly a meta comment and all the people who say that she whispers too much. Yeah. (laughs) So just
1: the feelings and the whispering that is, you know, I thought it, but to me, it just worked. I thought it was great. It's a scene I could watch a hundred times.
0: By the way, they never wheeled out your uh, Ferengi mannequin.
1: I know. Uh... I noticed my mannequin. Although, you know what? Someone (laughs) messaged me on social to say he moved last week. He did? (laughs) Yes, to say there was movement, it was in the, somewhere in the shuttle bay, like he turned, like a half, like you could, he said it was like a quarter turn (laughs) caught from the corner of the camera. (laughs) Someone who listens to us every week. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, they didn't even put him in the room, like the first contact committee or whatever is gathering, and suddenly he's not there anymore. I mean, mean, maybe Harai ate all the snacks, so he left, I don't know, but... (laughs) He's, he's just not involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another absence I noticed that I thought I feel bad because I'm being a bit nitpicky here. But, you know, there are so many times over the course of the season in the series where they're, they need to go somewhere. They're in a rush and then they stop for an inspiring speech. Right. And then this time, Michael, the captain and the first officer and the president are about to get into this bubble thing. And go off to meet with these aliens and there's no speech.
0: It was a momentous historic occasion.
1: It was a big occasion. They were The stakes couldn't have been higher. All the people in charge are going. I just thought that was a, a strange choice that this is when you don't. This is when I would have, as the captain, felt a speech was helpful.
0: I did like how. They couldn't understand the C and the lights and the molecules. And it's like, we can't talk to these people. And she brought in the bridge crew. Yes. They sorted it out. Although, again, Michael was the one that kind of had to figure it out. It would have been know. nice if she just watched and everyone else did all the work. But still, I you know, that was a good use of bridge crew to give them something to do.
1: For me, I was a little disappointed that it couldn't have involved Stamets and Adira. Also, like that, to me, would have been a great use of them. These are really, really smart people. And I would like to see them using their very unique brains and their unique thought processes. And they have not had a chance to do that.
0: Anthony Rapp had a lot to do early in the season. He had a couple great episodes. And he really has faded into the background a lot. Since then, he's been an exposition character, a fake engineer, and that's about it. And weirdly, it was great to get Adira out of the Shadow of Grey, but I don't think they figured out how to use them since.
1: And there's such an intriguing premise to that character. There's so much you could do with Adira. So I'm hoping next season we get to see more Stamets, more Adira, get them more involved, more integrated with everything else. But back to our guest stars for a moment. I did really like the moment where Relic is deciding. Who's Relic immediately says, "Okay, I'm going to go," and then says, "I need Michael and Saru." Okay, fine. And then, and then her eyes like so excited (laughs) for sure. He's totally ready to go. Obviously, this is has to be some dream of his. And then she tells him to stay, and he's kind of heartbroken.
0: I felt bad for him actually at that moment
1: i did i did and i thought that's pretty good because we haven't known him very long
0: if he was a puppy his tail would have been (laughs) wagging (laughs) and that and then it would have drooped
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know absolutely
0: and and there was nothing suspicious about Indoye, who's who's all action action (laughs) action suddenly going "Eh, i'm good you You guys guys go ahead
1: you guys will tell them what i think that's fine and there's earlier i think she just walks off while they're having a big conversation and then let's you know if we're going to talk about characters who should be smart like she's supposed to be smart she's a general she's a leader so she has these multiple conversations with book over communicators right they're talking to each other and then nothing raises her suspicions when she just gets the equivalent of a text message at the end
0: well that is how he tricked her before yes so maybe... that's how he
1: tricked her before and then because he was pretending to be somebody else yeah right he was pretending to be tarina then every time they talked in this episode they were just talking they had two i think two communications all of a sudden she gets a te- a text <laughs> a hollow text <laughs> and just goes okay i'm going to do it so that i thought didn't make sense wasn't smart of her and i also don't know why book would even have those access codes that he could give to her. He should not have Discovery's access codes.
0: Not anymore, at least. Haven't these people watched Star Trek 2?
1: <laughs> but he shouldn't even have really ever had them because he's not in Starfleet and he's not a crew a crew member.
0: Yeah, you know, the conceit is Tarkat is so brilliant and, and he's he he's has magic level abilities and technology. So he could sneak onto the ship So we assume that he gathered all of these access codes while there. He can fake that the badge, because, you know, when Zora says the badge was giving off by, you know, it wasn't just leaving the badge on the ground. The badge was pretending that a person was attached to it, which there wasn't. We have to kind of believe he's the one who's pulled off all of these miracles, essentially.
1: Yeah, but... (laughs) I can only yeah you. I'm like I know the Tarka stuff again. Great character. There could have been so many ways to explain things along the way, and they just didn't do it.
0: So how do you think things end for Tarka? They may stop him, or he may realize the folly of his ways. Maybe book talks him out of it in the end.
1: Well, and then he'd have to sacrifice himself, probably. Yeah. Yeah. To save everybody. I mean, I, I don't know. I still, I feel like there has to be more. To his story, it just, it isn't, I'm not connecting the dots. I don't mean the dots that have the molecules and are spraying them. But I, mean, I just don't understand why that his backstory, which was a good backstory, is still not enough for all of this. We also should talk about the fact that the whole Reno being missing idea. Stamets has been busy all day, right? He's so busy and he's trying to do all, he's so busy that he doesn't have time to help Zora and he's got all this stuff going on. So, and I've been wondering where she was. I really needed her help. Like it's been all day. So not being able to find her gets very problematic when there's a huge crisis. The whole galaxy is at stake and they're just like, yeah, I don't know where she is. Again, I I'll, I don't know why I'm able to think of these solutions, but it could be she's sick. She's in her quarters. And he rigged it somehow so that she sent a message that she was sick.
0: Yeah, she, they could have pulled off a little Ferris Bueller situation where, <laughs> yes, you know, you call totally. and, and there's little <laughs> recordings of her or something like that. There you go. Yeah, that might have been funny, actually. But this is, you know, what they do is they write themselves into a corner and then they throw a Band-Aid on it and then they move on. Because they right. Because it is the thing is is like but is it worth it just to get her off the ship and to get her you know into these you know because we did like what her on book ship so in a way it's like well you know well, i guess again, it's i guess it's worth it it's worth it's, it but it's it was- worth
1: it because it's a great story element and it made some really fun scenes and she was the catalyst for book to realize you know where what's been happening but uh, they just needed a better explanation. And look, it's hard. I mean, it's 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 the same problem they have with technology that every Star Trek has with technology, right? Is they have this fantastic technology, so they have to constantly come up with reasons why it doesn't work. Or every yeah. problem is instantly solvable. So, listen, with the finale approaching, what are your big predictions?
0: The big one is, of course, the Gilligan hypothesis, which is that this is that they're not making it out of the hyperfield, or Or something happens in there where they're not making it back into the galaxy. I think they're going to, Tark is going to try to destroy the DMA. They're going to stop Tark at the last minute. They're going to establish. Well, he
1: did it. He did his thing and took off.
0: Yeah, but he hasn't. His goal is to get to the DMA and destroy it, steal the energy source, go to the other universe. And the, the result of that will be the implosion of the hyperfield. And the creation of a huge um, rift, subspace rift, that'll destroy Earth. So they have to stop them, obviously. I think they will. And then they're going to make contact with Ten C, and I guess they're going to become friends. You know, I mean, uh, the Who's, character, someone's not going to make it.
1: Yeah, who who are their candidates for not going to make it? I feel like they're a bunch. I feel like we have Relic as a big candidate, and Doye has to be a big candidate at this point. Yeah. And again, I mean, there are some who need redemption at this point. I'm a little worried about Book. I don't know if we've heard who's returning next season. So I definitely have some concerns.
0: And the fact that they have two ships, you know, maybe one ship Mm -hmm. makes it back to the galaxy. One doesn't. I, you know, I'm worried that Tarina's not going to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, The ones you're sure are going to make it, I think, are Michael, obviously. The Disco
1: Crew, (laughs) I think, is
0: safe. Saru and well you know we've joked about how christopher seems like dead man walking so, so i feel like a member of the bridge crew could go that wouldn't be a surprise
1: i don't know i don't think that's gonna happen
0: but michael and saru and stamets and adira and Culber are all fine i right. assume
1: and grudge is safe
0: indeed um and and, you know reno i mean well first of all there's a difference between survive alive and make it to the next season because i think there's this possibility that the discovery ends up in some place where they are separated from others right um but that doesn't mean the others are dead it just means they're in a different place kind of like between season two and three so i wouldn't be surprised if reno doesn't end up with them if they end up in a different place because just for the simple fact that it's getting to you know unless it's e- they feel like it's going to be easier for tig to work with them on season five it might make sense to say she's gone right um, well they could do that between seasons easily by just a line of dialogue so yeah
1: i mean i don't think it's essential i really enjoy seeing her but i don't think it's a it's not essential to discovery that she's there
0: i think reno should fuse with zora or something and become a virtual character or something
1: there, and then they can just record <laughs> the stuff anywhere yeah. <laughs> i mean she's takes going on tour i believe yeah. uh soon so she will be busy but
0: i have a prediction that we're going to see because we're, we're running out of time so we're gonna see vance and tilly at on home base
1: oh yeah i mean come on they promised us tilly They promised us Tilly.
0: Well, and we saw like a nanosecond in one of the trailers of the two of them reacting to, I think, what looks like an explosion on Federation HQ, which, you know, so it's possible. And that kind of blows my Gilligan hypothesis because maybe Species 10C gets upset and just sends everyone back to federation hq and attacks federation hq or something
1: could be because they could think that this was all part of a plan
0: well it certainly looks that way looks yeah like they there's were no f- way for them
1: to know and they can't i don't know how they would convey with emotion molecules you know yeah. this this like betrayal wasn't on the list yeah of the 16 emotions <laughs> yeah
0: exactly <laughs> i certainly haven't got it all worked out but i assume michael burnham will save the galaxy that's my assumption well sure that's, that's i mean incredible.
1: you can you can count on her for that
0: yeah i mean i did like that the, you know she's showing growth because endoya had the thing about how as a soldier you have to know when you're up against the wall and make the hard decision and michael said that you know she used to think there were no walls but as a captain she's learned differently that this is i've been talking about all season that becoming captain has changed her view on responsibility
1: oh completely she, she's a yeah. more
0: mature person you know, all season long we've never really seen her go totally rogue i mean there was the one where she used a loophole but you know i mean come on which federation captain hasn't you know yeah. flown through a few loopholes <laughs> ask you know um so yeah she's been good and, and her and the president are they're cool they seem cool right yeah they, they, they're no they're over- good
1: i've been enjoying their watching them learn to get along and really yeah. respect
0: each other yeah So and Michael was doing good captaining, you know, issuing orders and all that. So, you know, I think as a captain, she was doing really well this episode.
1: Yeah. And I liked she's the one who figured out um, how to convey who they were by using the
0: air, which made sense. That was really smart. You'd think this Species 10C, like, why is it up to the Discovery crew to figure out all the hard stuff? It's like, come on, Species 10C, pull your weight here. You're you're a level two civilization or whatever it is. Why aren't you figuring out some of this stuff?
1: Well, they are. I mean, they (laughs) simplified all of their, they simplified their communication and their language down to a point that they just thought that they, that it could be recognized. I mean, they're using math.
0: I know. So
1: I think, I think they've done their part. I mean, I just, I think in this, in that particular part of the story, everybody was smart.
0: No, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It was good, and it was good sci-fi. I, I very yeah. much enjoyed that.
1: Very good sci-fi. Even from the spring, the peacefulness, or whatever it was, like that was all really fun, clever stuff. Yep. And I like the way it looked when it reached out and pulled them in. All that stuff was great.
0: Yeah. the The, the hyperfield looked cool. Mm-hmm. The, the way they were sucked in, it reminded me of the abyss, the, the thing that reached out to them. So the effects were all cool. I still was hoping we'd actually see 10C, but again, this is a two-part finale. Yeah. So we're going to see them next week. We'd better. After the big clouds, they're going to come through, and it's just going to be some forehead alien. It's going to be some guys with a little latex on their foreheads.
1: And they're going to be tiny. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like those guys from Journey to Babel. Remember the little gold guys?
1: Yeah. (laughs) We're at the snack table. It all goes back to snacks.
0: Yeah. Well, it could be Blaylock, you know, someone like Blaylock. It could be a Second yeah. Federation situation, just like Blaylock. Mm-hmm. And he's going to offer them some Tranya and and everything will be fine. <laughs> but so, again, someone has to
1: stay behind.
0: Yes. Yeah, your, your bet is Relic, which makes sense. Yeah. But I think we've covered this episode. We're just ready to see the yes. rest of it.
1: Itching for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So that's it for our reviews this week. We will see you next week with the Star Trek Discovery season finale.
0: Can't wait. Goodbye.
1: Bye.